Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Craftsman Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Smith, the author and founder of Craftsman Creative. And my guest today is George Cisneros. George is someone that I met on Twitter and have been following for about a year. I think at the time I started following George, he had maybe 1,000, 2,000 followers. Today, he has over 55,000, only about 12 or 14 months later. He is a force to be reckoned with. His Twitter, I love his bio. He says, I tweet about the stuff you, your dad should have told you when you were younger. And he's great. He's an inspiration to many. Um, I've worked with him and on how to grow my Twitter, and he is a wealth of knowledge, and I'm really excited that we had this opportunity to chat in this episode. George has a new book out called Do You Love Me, which we talk about the process of writing and even coming up with the idea for that book. What was the reason behind it, and how did he go about writing it over the last few years? And then we kind of took a diversion into talking about growth and audience and uh, the many things that having an audience and building an audience affords you as a creator. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. Now, if you haven't yet, head over to craftsmancreative.co. Right at the top, there is an email form. You can put in your email address for free and I will send you a five-day email series about how to navigate the creator economy. It's what I'm passionate about. It's what I help people do each and every day as a creator. And I hope that I can help you as well. So head over to craftsmancreative.co enter your email, and I will see you in your inbox soon. Now, on to the episode. All right, welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Craftsman Creative Podcast. I'm so excited today to be talking with my friend, George Cisneros. We've uh, been friends online for a year or so, but we just recently have uh, had more opportunities to chat and to connect, and with him uh, launching a new book, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity to get him on a podcast, have a conversation about how he wrote it, why he wrote it, and how you know what's coming of it now that it's out in the world. So, George, thank you for taking the time. Thanks for being here. Oh, man. Thank you. I'm excited. Me too. So why don't we dive in, first of all, like, so this book, it I read a little bit of it. You sent me an advanced copy, so thank you for that. And it seems like it's really a compilation of a bunch of different like journal entries and stories and things like that over a decade, over the last 10 years of your life, which seems like you've lived a lot <laughs> in the last 10 years. So I'd love to dive in first on like, where did the idea for this book come from and how did you start putting it together? Were you writing it for 10 years or did it recently come to you? Like, how did this all come together? Man, that is such a good question because I really haven't haven't thought about how this has all kind of come together, but it's, it's been very recent. First of all, um, the stories are over 10 years and those stories came from our, us sending newsletters out monthly or every couple of weeks. And so uh, we just, we had already been writing this and this is, listen, if I can like say something to people who are listening right now, that is to, if you're a creator, make sure you're writing as part of your, your creative process. Um, because I, when, when we were sending these newsletters out with these stories, and as I was getting to be a better story writer, I never thought that we would be eventually publishing a book. It just wasn't in my mind. It was really just a way to communicate with people who were supporting us here in Guatemala. We're full-time missionaries. And, um, and that's kind of how... 
the stories came together. They were partly journal entries that I never, never sent out as newsletters. And then others were just newsletters. And, you know, of course, as we put them all together, we had to go through an entire editing process. And I mean, it's, uh, I'm at the tail end of that. The book's been edited. Um, it's been formatted and, um, the Kindle copy is ready to go and it launches in two weeks. So that's kind of how we came to, to, to the point of that's how we, that's how we wrote it all. But it was really, honestly, just writing not every day, but regularly a couple times a week. Yeah. So I'm curious, like what was the size of that audience? Was it friends and family and you were just kind of giving updates from your missionary work or was it an audience of people that you were actively like courting and marketing to and trying to grow that list. Tell me a little bit more about that aspect. So the reality is that in the beginning, it was family and friends and, and people who were already supporting us as full-time missionaries. So as full-time missionaries, we don't have a church that is paying for us to be here or anything like that. It's literally just a bunch of people who are, or believe in what we're doing here and supporting us. And so we were, it was just an update to say, hey, this is, you're part of this. This is what's going on. Um, and I think we started out with a couple hundred emails in the beginning and, and we grew to, I don't know, over a thousand. Um, at some point, we, we whittled the list down and I think we're now down to about 850. So that was the audience that I was writing to. But interestingly, before we became missionaries, I was looking for this book exactly. I was looking for a book of a missionary from today and what did that life look like? And the, interestingly, like there are a lot of books about missionaries. Turn my phone off here. This is nice live. But there are um, <laughs> there are a lot of stories from missionaries that are you know from twenty five or fifty or a hundred years ago. But there's just no. I didn't find any stories from missionaries from today. And so mm -hmm. it's just kind of funny that 10 years later, I'm, I'm publishing the book that I was looking for, you know, before we got onto the field. So um, that was who the book was written to with them in mind. It's amazing. And ha being someone who served a two-year mission for my church, like I know what that life is like, committing your entire life or a big chunk of your life to service and to proselyting and things like that. And yeah, it, how great would it have been at that moment to have documentation of like, here's some of the stuff you're going to be faced with and here's how to get over adversity and here's the names people are going to call you and all the things that you're going to deal with to have... Um, you know, guidance like that from someone who's either currently going through it or just recently would have been um, important. But I also think that that approach is such an important thing for people who want to be writing. A lot of times we think we have to be experts or have certain accolades or certain credentials in order to write a book. We have to be an expert. We have to be the number one in that category in order to write a book. And it's just flat out not true. And what I love, and the reason I asked about your email list is because I also think a lot of creators think you have to have a massive audience to write a book, to sell a book, to put a book out into the world. And that's also not true. <laughs> like I recently released a book and have just under 2000 email subscribers and Twitter followers. Like my audience isn't massive, but a book 
is such a potentially transformational thing for not just the reader, but also the writer. So I'm curious um, if you have anything to comment on with, with those two ideas, but also like over that decade of writing, what are some of the takeaways or some of the, the changes that you experienced in your own life, the way that you thought about things, the way that you captured stories or moments? I'd love to hear about that as well. Yeah, I think to the first point of needing, you know, a certain size of an audience, we never were going to write a book. And so we just never thought about it. I, first of all, I think that it is, if you have an audience, that's a benefit. If you have, you know, a bigger audience, that's better in my opinion. So you definitely, you know, the more, the better, but there's a, a, a famous, um, I don't even know what you want to call it, PDF, uh, I can't remember the author, but it's called A Thousand True Fans or something like that. We've, you know, a lot of people have heard of that. Yeah, and the reality Kelly. is you really, you really only need a thousand people who believe in what you're doing. And really, that's what we had. That list of a thousand and right now it's 850 um, is that's all we needed. We've raised millions of dollars, like over two million dollars to do the things that we've done here in Guatemala with 850 people on a list. That's crazy town. So I think that when you're writing a book, um, there, listen, if it depends on why you're writing the book. So if you're writing a how-to and it's very niche and very specific, then you don't need a big audience. You just need a, a good-sized audience that really cares about that thing or about that subject. Um, if you're writing something, if you want it to be a bestseller, um, like a, a you know a New York Times bestseller or something like that, then you're gonna have to have a big audience, most likely. When publishers talk to authors, um, they are, weirdly they ask what's how big is your email list and how big is your social media and how active are they? Like that's what they're looking for, um, because they're they're gonna rely on you doing a lot of the the marketing. So. Um, as far as changes over the last 10 years, because I was so consistent in writing, especially over the last two years, my writing just got significantly better. And I could really tell as I was going back in time and looking at some of these older stories and seeing you know, some of the writing, I, I had to go in and edit a lot of just the way I wrote things and said things on some of those earlier stories. So you can definitely see a transformation in my writing. Uh, in the beginning, I wrote more maybe academically. And what I mean by that is like the things that I had learned in high school. And I, um, but then as time went, I started writing more kind of a natural way of writing like I speak. So I write more now how I speak, which is probably because I started writing more online on Twitter. And that taught me that there are no rules. You're trying to get a point across and it doesn't matter. You don't have to have punctuation at all if you don't want. And um, you can start a sentence with and and you can do whatever you want as long as it, you know, gets the message across. Yeah. So I'd love to know about why you wrote your book. So as you're thinking about that for a second, I think it's um, one of my takeaways is as you were writing for an audience of people for 10 years and then you went through and pull, just pulled the writing. You didn't have to write anything new necessarily to have a book out of it. And I think a lot of bloggers, especially people who are writing consistently, whether it's a blog a week or a couple times a week or a newsletter once a week or just an email once a month or whatever it might be. If you 
do that for two, five, 10 years, you have enough content for a book. And so it's not this Herculean task that you're facing. It's literally just shifting your mindset a little into like, oh, what have I already written that's valuable for an audience that I want to serve? But um, I'd love to know why, why do a book now? What was your reason in like deciding to go through all of the work of compiling, editing, rewriting, re-editing and rewriting again, all of the, the stuff you've written over the last 10 years? What's the goal? Like, why do a book now? Wow. Well, so here's, it's, um, it's crazy because I have built the, I've been building a Twitter audience for the last um, year and a half, not quite year and a half. And as you build a Twitter audience, when your audience gets big enough. So for me, when I hit 8,000, something shifted. All of a sudden, people were really commenting on the way I wrote and, and appreciating the things I was writing. And, uh, and then when you hit 20,000 and then 30 and then 40 and then 50, and it just every level that you kind of tick off, people, um, there's just more and more opportunities to create other streams of income. And it is honestly, man, Twitter, people have no idea the power and value behind Twitter. And so I started monetizing. I started coaching, which I still do, uh, except that now instead of coaching 10 people, I coach three to five people um, so that I can give you know, them the proper attention and also because my time's more valuable now. But I, um, I guess it was a year and a half ago. I don't even know. It was January, not of this year, so I guess a year and a half ago. I, I joined a group on Twitter called, it's a cohort called Ship 30 for 30. And it was basically writing every day, 250 words for 30 days. And I, I never had that habit, even with our newsletter, I would write once or twice a week. And of course, when you're writing once or twice a week, sometimes you don't write that week. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to do it. And I paid a hundred bucks. It was the first time and it's now like five or six or $700. But I paid $100 and basically it was accountability. I ended up writing for 90 days straight and um, that really gave me the ability to be consistent and that really helped in growing my page. So that was kind of the first step was ship 30 for 30, growing Twitter, and then um, realizing what ship 30 for 30 had done they now have cohorts of, I don't even know how many people, 500 to 700 people that are joined the joining the cohort every time they have it. And I think they have it maybe monthly or every other month. And they're now, and they're each paying $500. So if you do the math, and again, it might even be more than that. Say, so 500 times, say 500, uh, that's a lot of money. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, you know, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> so I'm actually starting at launching a cohort in August and the cohort is going to be um, how to write and publish your book in 60 days because people think it has to take so long and it doesn't. There's definitely shortcuts and ways to get it done quicker. And I want to share that with people. I want to help them do that. And so um, that is what I realized is, okay, if I want to do that, if I want to have the authority and 
the ability to say that I want to publish a book, obviously. So that was the big push behind it. I'm like, wait a minute, I already have all this content. I wrote it. I've just been writing it over 10 years. And so I just put it all together, packaged it, and of course, edited it and formatted it and all that stuff. And um, that's that was the original purpose of writing the book. Now that the book is done, to get my faith as a Christian out into the world is like another level. It's, it's almost like the hidden reason that I didn't even know about. It's just amazing how it's impacting people already just, you know, uh, with the copies that we've already sent out. So that was kind of the original idea in why I started putting the book together, but it, it has gradually changed. So. That's so cool to hear because it's, nice to see that those two things can exist simultaneously in the same space from the same project that you can have an impact that you can get a message out into the world and that you can share your story but also turn it into a money-making endeavor it's a project that's going to bring in significant revenue and i think because you approached it that way it almost as because i've probably been following you for most of that year and a half that you've been growing on twitter and I can really see different er, different times where you made conscious shifts from, okay, now I'm talking about this. Now I'm doing this. Now I'm incorporating this strategy. Now I'm getting coaching. Now I'm working with this pe- these people and et cetera, et cetera. And it's almost like it's been building towards this, but you had a really solid plan that you almost reverse engineered from like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to write a book someday, or I want to do a cohort someday, or I want to figure out how to monetize this. You worked your way backwards, and now you're up over 55,000 followers, I think, at the time we're recording this. And that's such a massive platform to have built in 14 or 18 months, right? So I'd love to know if I'm like accurate in my assessment of that. Like, Were you very consciously reverse engineering it and then strategically growing for that, for that purpose, or did you have a different approach there? Um. <clears throat> At the point that I realized I wanted to do a cohort, I started to pay more attention to my growth and, and really work on the things that I knew that worked. So that was for sure. Uh, the second thing is I knew that if I wanted to do this cohort and I am like balls out serious about this thing. And I, I told my son recently, who's kind of my partner in this. And I told him, I said, I am going to, this is, I'm going to die on this mountain. Like this is going to happen. Because I'm so, and I'll tell you why, because I'm so incredibly passionate about this particular project. I want to help other people get their story out into the world. And I think I can do that. So I, I always think about that. This, is the, this was kind of one of my original thoughts about this cohort. And it was this, you know, I would ask people, what do you know about your great grandfather? And they're like, I don't even know his name, a lot of people, or I don't know almost anything. Well, what do you know about your grandfather? Well, I, I know his name and I know a few things here and there, but the reality is they really didn't know much about their grandparents or their great-grandparents. And I thought, how cool would it be for someone to like be cleaning out an attic and find a book about their life? So that's what I'm passionate about is I want to help people document their life. So ideally my, you know, the people I'm going to be working with are going to be maybe in their mid forties to 70, mid sixties, and they've lived a life. And I want to help them document that for their family, for their great grandkids, because how cool, dude, just think about it, Darren. If you had a book that, that, you know, that talked about 
your great grandfather, you know, for, for 10 years of his life in another country. I mean, how crazy mind blowing would that be? So I, so then I realized, okay, well, I definitely have to, I reached out to actually an influencer at the time, a guy I knew um, about doing this with me. And he says, yeah, let, you know, I'm interested, but I'm really busy right now. At the time he had, I don't remember, I don't remember how many he had. I want to say he had 25,000 followers and I had like 5,000. I said, okay, here's the deal. I'll come back to you once I have published my book and I'm at 15,000 followers. But the thing is, by the time I was at 15,000 followers and I had already started about putting this book together, um, I'm like, I don't need that person to partner with me. And I'm so glad that I didn't because this, this thing is going to be just, just crazy massive. So wrote the book, uh, but also along the way, um, I realized, you know, there's some other things that I'm going to do to try to just build authority. Another thing is um, as soon as this book is launched after one, you know, the week of launch, I'm going to start um, preparing and getting ready for a TED talk, a TEDx. And I'm just going to work hard on getting a TEDx because I just feel like people will want to join a cohort about writing a book if they've spoken at TEDx and if they've published a book. I'm also right now in the middle of marketing this book. I'm, I'm not trying to just market the book because that's actually pretty easy to market a book on Amazon or other places. Um, but I'm really working hard to make sure that it's a national bestseller, but potentially an international bestseller. And it can be an international bestseller because I have so many contacts across the world with, you know, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I've got, I've got so many people who were just like, they would do anything for me um, that live across the globe. And I say that, I, what I mean by that is like, these are friends that I've grown up with over the last year and a half that we all just kind of help each other out. So does that make sense? It does, but it, it makes me think because you mentioned something that like the audience for your cohort or the people you're trying to target with this is like the 40 to 70 year olds. Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of them on Twitter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like what other strategies are you incorporating here to make sure that you're not just hitting people like myself who are already authors who follow you on Twitter, who kind of get it. And those who like need your cohort and need to understand the importance of sharing their story through a book like this. Yep. How are you planning to reach them? Is it really just through partnerships and through other influencers or what's the other strategy aspects there? No, dude, that's you're, you're so smart. You, like you, clearly, you know what you're talking about because that that's a very important question. And one that at some point I realized, wait a minute, my audience is, you know, the Twitter audience is not necessarily going to be, you know, the, the best audience. So for example, I have 55,000 followers, but out of those 55,000, you know, I don't know, maybe there's 5,000 in that age group or 10,000 in that age group. And so, um, it's, it's not going to be very high for what I want to do. And so I started building, uh, an audience on LinkedIn recently and, um, working with my son who knows all kinds of direct, uh, email marketing tactics that we'll be able to scrape uh, LinkedIn and find people who are CEOs, people who've been around a while and directly target thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of them that we'll be able to target them. Um, on top of that, my next book, as soon as this book is done launching, I'm going to start putting my next book together, which is um, everything your dad should have said, but didn't, which is kind of the theme of my Twitter page. And I'm literally going to take 
my top yeah. performing threads, <laughs> my top performing tweets. I've written, I don't even know how many, I've written thousands of tweets, pull out the best stuff, put it into a book and, and sell it that way. Cause I, I get so many people who are, you know, just grateful for the, the threads that I've written that uh, I think that'll be a good book too. Well, I, I don't know that it'll be a bestseller necessarily, but I think someone did that. They, they took Naval's tweets and they put it into a book. Um, Naval didn't, but yeah, Eric uh, Jorgensen did and called it the Naval Manac. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a good uh, book, but yeah, yeah. do any really extra writing. It was just comp, uh, compiling it all. Yeah. So that was, I, that's, that's my, right now, that's our plan. Here's what I, here's what I know, Darren, is I'm a big believer in just trying stuff and just getting out there and doing it. So, you know, for example, with coaching, when I started coaching, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to like give some free coaching away to like five people did that, learned a ton. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to charge this much. And I charged a certain amount. And then I'm like, wow, that really, really went well. I started then to identify my audience and the, the type of person that I wanted to coach and the type of coaching I wanted to do. And then I offered a different product to a different group of people. And so every time that I, I kind of go through an iteration, I get better, I make more money and I'm happier. And so that's kind of the way I'm, I'm and I've been doing that for years. And so that's kind of the way I'm dealing with the cohort is I don't have all the answers. I don't know how we're going to get all these customers. Um, you know, ideally we're, we're going to get 10 and we're going to go from there. And if we only get 10 every time, that's still freaking amazing. And if we get, you know, I, I just don't know. And I'm just literally, you know, it, we're just going to grow. Most people try to figure it all out before they start. Yeah, it's an error. <laughs> it's not the right way to do it. And what's amazing is when you actually go out and do it and you try it, that's the way to get results. And the results are what lead to learning and optimizing and doing more of what worked and less of what doesn't. But if you never try, then you never have any results. So when you try to, when you take launching a book, right? If you put a book out there that says, I'm going to, this book's going to teach you how to do this thing. And you've never actually got that result for anybody. No one's going to believe you. So no one's going to buy it. But if you say, hey, I helped scale these five businesses to $10 million in revenue, all of a sudden, everybody believes you because you have the results. And so you're kind of using that same approach of like, look, I wrote a book. This is how you can write a book. I launched a cohort. This is how you can launch a cohort. I got these results for the people in the first cohort. Now the cohort's more valuable because I learned from that and made it better. And now it's more valuable. Same thing ship 30 for 30 did, right? Yep. So it's, it's really important. But the thing that was standing out to me as you were talking, and I've recently just realized this in myself, is that I wasn't ever really trying to grow an audience. I was actively against having a big audience because I thought it was narcissistic and silly and icky and whatever. And that was a limiting belief that I had up until about a year ago when I said, I'm going to write a book, but I know that if I write a book and launch it to, at the time, I think I had 850 followers. And my best guess is that maybe 150 people of those uh, were actual real people and not just some nameless company at, you know, years ago that followed me in 2010 and doesn't even exist anymore. My guess was 80% of my audience was bots and old accounts that were inactive. So I'm like, okay, I could either like, 
keep going without building an audience, write the book, put it out there and sell five copies. Or I could be strategic about it and realize, like you said, I've got to build an audience. And so I did. But over the last year, what I've noticed is that there's the level that I'm operating at and the the level that I think is possible. And you, you, the standard I'm holding myself to, I think that, yeah, if I got 100 followers in a month, that's pretty good. And then I look at people like yourself and others who have grown, you know, 5, 10, 20x in a year or have uh, grown an audience to 10, 50, 100,000 in a year. I'm like, man, my thinking might just be a little small. And I don't, I honestly don't believe that you're working any harder than I am. I don't think it comes down to work ethic. I think it mainly starts with the aspect of like how, what you think is possible. It's a mindset thing before it's an actual strategy or tactic or hard work thing. I'd love to know your thoughts on that because I'm, I'm working through this right now myself. Is it literally just like, if I said my goal is now a hundred thousand instead of 10,000, that's going to change my approach. It's going to change my excitement. It's going to change all this stuff. I'd love to just like go deep on that for a second with you. Yeah, no, that's good. I, um, so first of all, mindset's important for sure. Uh, I love the book mindset by Carol Dweck and it really shifted my perspective in a lot of areas, but here's what I realized while reading that book is you can't just say like, okay, I want to grow an account to a hundred thousand. Um, it's more of a belief. Like if you believe you can grow an account to 50,000 or 10,000 or 20, whatever the belief is, you can only go up to the level of your belief, not the level of what you say or what your affirmations are. Um, you really got to believe it. And so for me, what really instilled belief in me was I hired coaches from the beginning. So I had another Twitter account. I was like uh, all, it was like a doomsday account. I was always, you know, into politics and um, news, news pages. I don't know why I was just addicted and it was awful. And I was, uh, I wouldn't say, I don't know how to say it. I wasn't depressed, but I was angry a lot and it was affecting me personally and it was affecting my family. So at some point, I don't know how it happened. I happened to cross money Twitter, which is just kind of the side of Twitter that uh, talks about investing. It talks about, um, you know, really just positive changes in your life, talks about systems. It talks about morning routines, things like that. And I found a couple of accounts. And of course, once you find one account, now Twitter starts feeding you other people that are like that. And then all of a sudden you start, you know, following more of them and it just kind of started to grow, but I was infected. My account was infected with all these other, you know, gross news accounts. So I shut it down. I started ship 30 for 30. And when I was done with ship 30 for 30, I started my new account. <clears throat> so I did ship 30 for 30 in January that March, I started my new account and I only followed positive educational, like cool people that were uplifting. And so what I did was I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but this guy knows what he's doing and he's offering coaching. And so I hired him. And he helped me get from zero to a thousand fairly quick. And then uh, I went on my own till I got to 5,000, found a guy that was much bigger than me. And like, if he can do it and he's offering coaching and it was expensive. Like I, my, my threshold for spending money has it went from this to this 
to this. And I just spent $3,000 yesterday uh, for a course, um, a live course. But oh, it's just, it's insane because he's teaching how to really run and, and build my course and how to do the cohort. So anyway, all that says the coaching was really what they gave me more than anything. Sure. They taught me how to do this, that, and the other, how to do the systems, how to, how to tweet, how to uh, get the basic foundations built. But my second coach really gave me faith that I could do it. So I, I grew from, 5,000 to, I don't remember, it was over 10,000 in 45 days, like 12,000 in 45 days. It was just like, like that. And so ever since then, I've been on my own and I started coaching. And when you're coaching other people, that also helps you grow because that teaches you things and you're just more aware. And, but it was really my faith or faith belief in myself and belief that it could happen. There's a really good, uh, and I, I told you about this, but a really great video that also helped grow my kind of belief in the system. And it's, if you just search, um, and you can probably put it in the show notes, a link, but it's uh, David Perel and Anthony Pompliano on YouTube. And he, if you just search those two names, David Perel, Anthony Pompliano, social media, it'll pop up. And he basically just laid out, this is how I built, you know, this empire that this guy has. I don't know. He's over a million and a half. He's probably 2 million right now followers on Twitter. And he's got multiple podcasts, multiple uh, newsletters, a free newsletter, a paid newsletter. He's, he's, I don't, I can't even imagine. He's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, which is just stupid. So does that make sense? I don't know if that <laughs> as if that a helps. as a one man shop, basically. Yeah, no, I think it's him and his wife, and maybe they've got some assistants or some contractors, but it doesn't seem like a huge media business. But what's mm -hmm. been amazing, and it really ties back into like the approach, and I think it starts with the mindset. I truly believe that Anthony Pompliano was like, "I'm going to build a media empire with myself, where I'm the media and I'm the content." So. He started with a newsletter or he started with a Twitter and he got it to like a couple hundred thousand followers and then built the newsletter and then yep. built the paid version and then added the show and like got sponsorships and all this stuff. Yeah, he's doing multiple million dollars a year as a kind of a one man show. So <laughs> I think the difference between he and I is not the ability because I could totally do eight hours a day focusing on content and creating media and stuff, but it doesn't make sense to do that until you have the following. So he focused on building a following. I think he got to 300 or 320,000 followers mm -hmm. before he really started monetizing this stuff, mm -hmm. which is insane. It's yeah. huge, huge audience. And I'm sitting here going, man, I'd love to get to 10,000. What would that be like? But that's what you're talking about or what we're talking about is like the difference in belief or the difference in vision between a 10,000 person follower or a 10,000 following account and a hundred thousand is night and day. Those are two very different outcomes mm -hmm. uh, with two very different sets of results and different realities on the other end. And so it's just been in the last few days and few weeks where I was like, Oh, it's actually possible. And it goes back to that idea of results. Like if I wasn't trying, if I wasn't putting out stuff out, putting stuff out there and seeing if it worked and doing more of what works and less of what doesn't, I'd never believe it was possible to grow a thousand people in a month or 5,000 people in by the end of this year, or whatever it might be, yeah. you start getting those results. And all of a sudden your vision expands because you're like, Oh, well I did that. I could probably do that. 
oh, I could do that in five years, but what if I tried this? Maybe it's a, only a year away. You know, it's all mindset stuff. At least the way that I'm thinking about it, it's just it I really think my biggest mindset. limitation yeah. as we're talking about writing and all this stuff is mindset. Yeah, at the end of the day, it is mindset. It's just, I guess, what I, I all I want to say is like, it's more than just affirmations. It really yeah. is. Can can you have a different mindset? You know, you talk about growing. You know, by x x amount. In, in you know, I had a thread. It just went ape shit. I think it got like fourteen million impressions. It it got um two. I don't even, I don't even know. It got 150,000 likes and I don't know, a bunch of shares. I, I don't know, but I, I, I don't even remember how much I grew, but I want to say I grew by like five or six, 7,000 followers in like a 24 hour period. And then yesterday, two days ago on my birthday, I wrote a, a thread that got 25,000 likes. And I also grew by 5,250 followers. Like it's just like wildfire. How does that happen? That, I'll tell you how that happens. It happens by being consistent. So if I weren't writing every day, I write every day. If I weren't writing every day, and if I weren't writing threads regularly, usually about once a week, um, if you don't write a thread, it's really hard for your thread to go viral. That's what I found out. And so, um, you know, you really have to just put in the work. And I'll tell you, you want to know where the money is made. And, and this is really good information for you is anybody that's building on social media, this is, in my opinion, this is where the money is made. It is how long can you endure bad engagement? How long can you endure slow to no growth? Because those days are brutal. I mean, I remember being at 20,000 saying, oh my gosh, is my account dead? Like what's going on? I, I, everybody else seemed to be doing better than me. And, you know, they're growing faster. And it was just so frustrating. I'm like, is this worth it? At 20,000 followers, I'm thinking this. And so, you know, you, I'm telling you, you're going to go through it over and over and over again. Right now, because of the thread that I wrote a couple days ago, I, I feel like I'm on the moon. Uh, but in three days, <laughs> I could literally be, you know, in the bottom of the basement because that's the way, that's just the way social media is. So if you can endure those hard times, I think that you, and, and be consistent. I would also say, find a coach, like find someone who is, has been where you want to go. Um, when I hired a coach, I was at 5,000 and I think he had like a hundred thousand followers at the time. No, I remember, uh, I remember congratulating. So he had like 75 or 85,000 followers at the time he crossed, uh, a uh, hundred thousand during our coaching. And so, yeah, hire someone who's where you want to be. Um, and, and because listen, if you're just going to like be John Wayne about it, uh, and just go out there and just hope for the best, it's going to be really hard. Um, I would take courses for sure, hire a coach. And, and that doesn't matter if it's Twitter, social media, or anything you're doing in life. Find someone who's been where you want to be. It is stupid for you to try to figure it out yourself. Now you can, it's just going to take you 10 times longer. One last thing I want to say about um, yeah. monetization is very interesting. So once I started growing this thing, I, you know, I hadn't hit to a thousand. I thought to myself, you know, when I hit a thousand, I'm going to start doing like um, uh, affiliate marketing. And I'll just put like, 
an affiliate link into a, a post and, and people will buy it and I'll make money that way. And then I hit a thousand. I'm like, I don't have nearly the engagement. I'm getting like five or 10 likes. So I'm like, okay, when I hit 5,000, I'm going to do that. And I get to 5,000. I'm like, nope. And then 10,000. Nope. I got to wait. I got I want more engagement because of what I knew is, and you know, when you put links to follow you to buy something or anything like that, in, you know, when you post those links, they just don't get great engagement. And so I, what I realized was affiliate marketing is not a good way to go. Um, and I have not really monetized my account online. In other words, I don't sell anything. I don't promote anything. I very rarely, when I need a new client, um, I will post, uh, you know, a quick uh, at the end of a thread, I'll let people know I'm looking for another client, but that's it. I don't, so I'm not selling. The cohort is going to be the first one. And really, like you said, I don't know that I have a lot of clients on Twitter necessarily. I think I'll have, for sure, I'll have some, but it really is just brand awareness. Like, okay, he's proven that he can write. He's proven that he can do, you know, build an account to 55,000 followers or, you know, whatever. And so I think it's really more about authority and brand awareness and not really selling a lot on Twitter. Yeah. Gosh, this is uh, it feels like a very self-serving episode, but generally that means that it's a really valuable episode for the audience. So I'm really grateful for all of those insights, especially on, you know, growing an audience because getting back to the book, which is something you and I have both done now, we've written and published books, exclude kind of, uh, thinking about Twitter first as like where our audience is growing on. And I'm just excited for people to listen to this and go, wow, there's an actual path forward here. You don't have to be an expert in, in a domain. You don't have to go the uh, traditional approach of like trying to find a publisher and getting permission and getting a landing a book deal, et cetera, et cetera. You can literally do this from scratch. Even if you're starting at zero followers, George here has proven that you could do it in a year and a half or less um, and get enough of a following to launch a book. And I'll even share, like, you don't even need 50,000 followers. I launched my book with like a thousand and maybe it's 12 or 1500, somewhere in that range. But like, I didn't have thousands and thousands of people who were clamoring to get my book. I didn't do 10,000 books in the first week. I think to date in two months, I've maybe sold $1,500 worth of books. But the opportunities that come when you put yourself out there, you write every day like we talked about, you're consistent in showing up and giving value to an audience of people, and then you can show the results, all of a sudden you can write a book and you can put it out there and opportunities will pop up. Yep. And honestly, at least in my opinion, for now, the opportunities are the bigger upside than like, the amount of dollars I could make from being an author. That's not what I'm interested in, but the people I've been able to connect to, the people that take me seriously now, the opportunities that have been generated, I could have never imagined it. And again, that's with a very small following of people. So I'm my I say all that to encourage listeners to just listen to what we're saying and like write a book. Take your writing, take your past writing, or just like write consistently for the next two, three months and put it in the context of a book instead of a blog or a newsletter. And you can get a book out there and you'll never know what's going to happen at that point. So thank you for all of your wisdom and insight on this. I'd love to just know where can people go to follow you? Where can they check out your book? Because I've been enjoying the story so far. I've been diving in and it's really well-written and it's an engaging read. So I hope people will check it out. Um, but 
where where can people find you know go to find you and uh, to learn more about your book? Yeah, thank you. I listen. Here's the thing: the book is very specific. It's about our lives as Christian missionaries leaving the United States, leaving you know the American dream, and coming to Guatemala to serve the underprivileged. That's what the book is about. So it's 50 stories from our time in, over the last 10 years as Christian missionaries. So if someone is interested in that. Absolutely. Um, starting on July 12th, um, that's the launch day. You'll be able to just search. Uh, Do You Love Me is the name of the book. Um, you can search my name, George Cisneros, and it should pop up. Um, or if you want to download the first five stories right now, you can go to uh, doyoulovemebook.com. And you can download the first five stories. If you do that, then we'll be able to keep in touch with you as to, uh, you know, a link to, to buy the book when it's available. Um, the other thing is, if if you want to contact me, you can find me. The best the best place to find me is on Twitter. So it's at um, 1G Cisneros is what my Twitter page is. And I tweet things that your dad should have said but didn't. That's kind of just basically fatherly advice or just you know, hard earned wisdom over the last 56 years. Um, I also want to just tell people that sometime in August, I'm going to be launching a cohort where we help people write their first book within 60 days. So write and publish your first book within 60 days. We have a system. It works. I've done it with a number of people. They've been successful. And so I can't wait to help people write their first book. And so if you're interested in that and you want to get on the wait list, just get a hold of me on Twitter. And again, it's 1G Cisneros uh, on Twitter. So I'm sure you'll have, you'll leave a link. Amazing. We'll put links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. Thank you, George. This has been awesome to uh, catch up and to chat. And I'm really excited for, for everybody to see what's next. Like this court sounds amazing. The book is awesome. So everybody go check him out give them a follow on Twitter. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, one last thing. I was just thinking, I'm sitting right, here. Oh, oh is yeah, that yeah. it? No, no, no. So I was just going to say, I am 56 years no, old. You're good. Man. We're still rolling. Good. No, no, no. I just, I was sitting here thinking about it. I just said my birthday was a couple of days ago. I am 56 years old. If mm -hmm. I can do it, if I can build a Happy Twitter page, birthday. thank you. You can too. If I can build a Twitter page to 50,000, you can too. I'm 56. Holy smokes. Uh, there's no excuse. Agreed. Great place to end. Thanks, George. <laughs> <laughs> Peace.